Guys, welcome back to the Relax Running Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. Glad that you're here. Hey, if you're new here, uh, the Relax Running Podcast is a place that's uh, it's dedicated to trying to improve your running performance. So the way I'm trying to help you do that is, is just through lining up conversations with the best in the business of distance running around diet, um, physio, coaches, athletes. We want to speak to people about recovery and training and Man, there's no limitations here. If it's going to improve your ability to uh, run faster for longer, then that is my goal here. Hey, just uh, before we get into it, I'm going to do something slightly different tonight. I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts. The Olympic Games have obviously just finished a week and a half ago in Tokyo. And as a result, so many top athletes from around the world are taking their end of season break. So I thought I'll just break down a little bit of what goes into off-season training for you. I think it's a really powerful conversation. I think it's important to be able to look at because... Uh, if you're anything like me uh, growing up, especially when I was super competitive, the the training side of my running was always the easiest. I always felt that, you know, when it came to getting out the door and actually doing the work, that for me that was it just it just happened. I was uh, I don't know if you feel like that, but uh, that was a pretty natural part of my my running um, my my running world, I guess you would say. But what I always struggled to do was to know exactly how to use that end of season break because there's no one size fits all. There's a lot of different options that different athletes take when it comes to their end of season break. I know I experimented with a couple of things. So today, I wanted to break down six areas that you should consider uh, when it comes to the end of your season. Now, uh, the end of season simply means after you've run the race that you wanted to run. You might not have like a structured winter season or a structured summer season, but what you might have is uh, a, a race planned that you are that you've been really keen to do well in. Now that race is done, uh, you, you're hit with the the post race blues for for lack of a better phrase. But it's something that we're all familiar with. So what do we do in that stage between races? What do we do when the big day's done? We need to recover, uh, but there's a little bit of time before the next race. That's what we're going to look at today. I've got six ideas. Before that happens, though, I just wanted to make sure that you guys are well aware of the fact that this podcast is supported by the one and only earshots. I'm a massive fan of these guys. They're headphones designed for intense sport. Whether you're a mountain biker, a road cyclist, a runner, you're out in all kinds of elements. You want to have headphones that that are pretty heavy duty. You want them to be, uh, I personally want them to just stick in my ears. I don't want them to bounce around. I want the audio to be clean. I want it to be clear. I want it to be comfortable. And uh, I'm a real I'm a real fan from time to time of chucking on a podcast. I've just recently listened to Joe Rogan and Andrew Schultz, who I absolutely love. It's a little bit of a refreshing voice to hear in a in a world of PC culture. So hey, there's a recommendation for you on your next run. But if you haven't got headphones you're happy with, yeah, it's just going to be a pain in the ass for you. I know it was for me. So check out Earshots. Let me tell you a little bit more about them. They're equipped with Bluetooth technology. You can make phone calls while you're on the run. There's obviously no cords dangling around. Uh, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. They're they're the best of the best when it comes to headphones. You're going to get a 10% discount off Earshots by using the coupon code RELAXEDRUNNING10. So uh, when you check out of their website, make sure you use the coupon code RELAXEDRUNNING10 to receive 10% off. I'm uh, I'm very confident you're going to like what they have to offer. A few of you have already checked it out, and I'm glad to hear that you're a fan as well. If you have got on board the Earshots bandwagon, let me know. I'd love to know your feedback. Uh, just so it doesn't sound like me just spruiking it. As I say, uh, I never let a sponsor on this show without absolutely loving their pro- uh, their product first. And these guys are no exception. So, hey, that's about enough from me about that. Let's uh, let's jump into a, a couple of these particular um, 
pointers that I just wanted to bring to your attention, bring to your awareness, just to break down a little bit to see if it can help you in your uh, in your your postseason recovery. Uh, I'd love to know, uh, just as a start point, if you already do have a few things that work for you, jump over to the Instagram page. I'll put up a post on the Relax Running Instagram page just to advertise this episode. Let us know down below in the comments what kind of things you get up to, what what feels good, how do you recover well, uh, what do you like to do? Because uh, obviously, I've only got six. There's a this is a conversation that just goes on and on and on amongst elite athletes as well as just amateur. Uh, community level athletes so be really interested to know what you have to say but a few of these are, are, are things that um, I, I really like to tap into and they're just different things that I trialed with so the first one is uh, two weeks of unplanned running now if you've been listening to this episode for uh, this podcast for a little bit of time now one thing that you would have heard me say before was at the end of my summer season there was a while there where I like to be able to go out and I just have two weeks completely off and for me at that time, it meant, you know, I'd go out for two weeks and I'd do very little. Actually, for a couple of years there, I did absolutely no running at all for two weeks. It was a time where I'd just, you know, smash junk food if I wanted to. I would sleep in. I'd barely train. <laughs> I might go for a walk here or there just to get out of the house and give my wife a break. But for me, that idea of just having two weeks off, psychologically, it felt really nice. I always enjoyed that, uh, just letting the land of my mind lay fallow a little bit. Just let it all simmer down. Just let it all, just let everything that had just taken place relax a little bit. And if you're anything like me, I think in a sport like distance running, it's such an all-consuming sport, especially if you're training seriously. Like if you're if you're putting in hours and hours a week, it's incredible just to watch how all of a sudden your life just begins to revolve around that sport and uh, I think I probably at times got a little bit of an unhealthy relationship to it because I was just so obsessed with improving that uh, when my running was going well I was happy when my running was going badly I was pissed off <laughs> and uh, it's too much of an emotional roller coaster to live like that so I think the two weeks of unplanned running I say unplanned because I felt like after a couple of seasons of doing two weeks of no running I felt like I was just more sluggish getting back into it than I wanted to be. I, I seemed to find like a happy medium of going out every second day just for even 15 or 20 minutes, very slow jog, just to turn the legs over. It didn't feel like such a huge jump when I got back into a little more serious training a couple of weeks later, whereas um, I felt like a big fatty <laughs> when, I, when I just had gone from two weeks of absolutely no running, eating junk food, sleeping in, uh, just just living like a king, I uh, I got back and I was like, oh my gosh, I just felt sluggish and sore. So I I probably recommend uh, uh, that two weeks to be, uh, as I say, unplanned. If you want to trial with no running, hey, feel free, go for it. Uh, but I, I always found the happy medium to be a day on, a day off. I didn't do any gym work. I did a little bit of stretching here and there. Pretty much whatever just seemed to encourage my, my recovery or for me to just to think about something else other than running, it was a chance to catch up a little more with the family. Obviously, when you're not spending a couple of hours extra a day training, you've got a couple of hours extra to put towards the things that you know might get a little more ignored in your day-to-day life than what you would like them to when you're training seriously. So whatever that looks like for you, uh, maybe it's a hobby. <clears throat> but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to have that two weeks off. Too many of us, as I sort of started this point with, we get obsessed with the idea of, okay, you've got to train, 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 train. And the idea of a rest day terrifies us. And the idea of two weeks off just seems like a nightmare <laughs> because we're such an addictive group of people, such an addictive mindset. But you don't need to be afraid of that. In a lot of ways, especially if there's like a little niggle that you, you've been dealing with or a little pain that could just be inflammatory, 
a couple of weeks off can be a really good opportunity just to hit that on the head and uh, and come back feeling strong. The second thing I, I wanted to chat a little bit about is after that two weeks of unplanned running where you've done whatever you wanted to do, I always like to spend two weeks to four weeks of, of focusing on the opposite side of my running training to what my main focus usually is. So so what does that mean? So for, for example, if you're a marathon runner, uh, most of your training is going to be volume. You'll be going out and running big Ks, depending on how serious you are or how long you're you've been running for is going to dictate you know how long those long runs are but the the main foundation of your training is that longer slower or slowish aerobic training so what you might want to do for a month is pay more attention to that more uh, intense speed side to your running there's a couple of reasons for this first of all uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a you know an amateur runner or Aliad Kipchoge Speed plays a vital role in your training, even as a marathon runner. Now, it's obviously not the key ingredient, uh, but the reason I'm such a huge fan of it is because if if you're so focused on that longer, slower running, over time, that, that, that ability just to tap into some faster speed gets more and more difficult. And the problem with that is if we're, if we're getting stuck just feeling, uh, getting stuck in one slow motion, the idea of running fast just seems difficult. But uh, for my mindset, whenever I went out for a real fast run, I always felt like my four-minute K long run felt so much better. Not to say that I always ran four minutes per K for my long runs, but if I went out and did some three-minute K work or even faster, like a couple of 400s at sub-60 pace in a few sessions, oh, it was amazing just to be able to go out and all of a sudden four minutes per K seemed like an absolute jog. So would really encourage you to tap into another energy system, tap into something other than what you've been doing. But more than just physically, what I loved about this, or more than just mentally, what I loved about this, it really just woke up and activated a heap of muscle groups that had sort of been sleeping. I'd wake up with sore calves if I'd tapped into some real speed stuff. So what is the opposite to the kind of training that you've been doing? Marathon runner, maybe it's sprinting. If you're a 1500 meter runner, maybe you wanna build a little bit more aerobic work in there. And it made training so much more enjoyable. Like I'm the kind of guy that with all the training programs that I do, whether it's in the AFL world or whether it's in the running world, I don't like to do the exact same thing year in, year out. It's it's all revolves around the same ideas. Like I still hit the key, um, you know, the speed endurance, I hit the aerobic, I'll, um, I'll hit the hills. But the way that I structure those sessions, I like to change. The reason I like to change that is because doing the, the same thing every year, it just gets boring. It's so monotonous. And even if it's healthy, effective, good, solid training, there's only so much of that you can do before you get bored. So uh, yeah, hit some of these different sessions just to try and hit the refresh button. Be a bit creative. Like if you sacrifice a couple of gym sessions or boxing sessions or cardio sessions or, uh, you know, what's that What's that one where they're intense, they get compared to vegans a lot? Um CrossFit, <laughs> you know, the real, I've got a reputation of these guys in my head that they're real preachy. I'm sorry for any CrossFitters out there. I've met lots of lovely CrossFitters. Um, and I was a vegan for a while as well. I don't think I was preachy, but uh, some, I shouldn't just categorize you as a big preachy. Anyway, I've digressed. What I'm trying to say is do the things you don't get a chance to do because your main priority is hitting your goals for your training. So whatever is the opposite, do that. Don't be too dramatic. You don't want to go out and just do sprint sessions every day for a month. And if you're a middle distance runner, you don't want to go out and just train for a marathon for a month. But some happy medium. If you've got a coach who's open to the idea of doing stuff like this, have a chat with him about it. Because uh, yeah, the idea of just shaking things up a little bit, it's going to be a nice reset button for you. And it's going to be a nice refresh button for your body. 
Um, now, the third point, and these aren't in any particular order, what I absolutely loved to do, this is probably my favorite point, just quietly. When I had a couple of weeks off and away from running, it's amazing how when you take a step back, your perspective gets so much more clear. You're not standing so close to it, so it's a little bit easier to think clearly about it. That's why this third point is is perhaps my favorite during this off-season, uh, race planning. I absolutely, I don't know what it is. It was the one form of admin work I actually enjoyed doing. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows how much I bloody just cannot stand doing admin work. Anything to do with sitting down and typing details into a computer does my head in. But this bit didn't. So what does that race planning look like? I was the kind of guy that, well, I, I like to have a long-term sort of view. But the, the reality is so much changes in a long-term view, like a year that it's hard to stick to, to sort of a year plan. Maybe maybe you want to set a goal for, especially if you're a marathon runner, six or five to six months ahead, maybe less than that, three to five months ahead, you go, all right, here's my next big goal. Maybe it's, maybe it's sort of June and you're thinking, all right, I really want to have a crack at the Melbourne Marathon, just for a local reference for you Melbournians. Uh, you've got a few months ahead. But what you want to do, you don't just want to go, all right, I'm running a marathon in four months. Let's train for a marathon, though that is part of it. You want to have a few lead-up races towards your marathon. So maybe in a month and a half's time, you'll go out and you'll you'll target a 10K road race. And the idea there with a 10K road race is to go, all right, I just want to get a little bit of a feel for the marathon goal pace that I'm going to try and run in a few months. So you might treat it as an opportunity just to go out, shake the legs out, get a feel for that pace, get comfortable, build your confidence, build your mindset around what it feels to run that pace, or maybe you like to go, you know what, I'm going to have a red hot crack here. And you go out and you aim to run a 10K road PB. The idea there, if you wanted to hit a real fast time, is like I was speaking about earlier with doing the opposite kind of training, is it gives you that opportunity to, to just go way faster than you need to. And at that, in turn, as I've already covered, allows you to, to just feel more comfortable running at you know your marathon race pace, which is obviously going to be slower than that. And then uh, you might adjust your training a little bit. So after that uh, that 10K race, you go, all right, well, I might do two more races. I might do one 15K race, and then a month out, I'll do a half marathon race. So the idea of trying to sculpt your season around one key race was something that I always enjoyed. So um, I would have a, a key race picked out and work backwards from that to where you are now. And the beauty there is it's so much nicer being able to get out of the house and go for a run when you've got a goal in mind. Like, I don't know, have any of you guys ever been in that situation where you're sort of, you're just training, but you're training for the sake of training? I, like, I love running, but it's just, uh, it's always more difficult for me to get out of the door when the wind's blowing, the rain's coming down, it's getting a little bit dark, dinner smells good, something's good on TV. <laughs> um, it was easier to get out and just do the work when you knew you were going to be tested in a couple of months. So uh, don't just go through the motions with with no goal in mind. Set that goal, get clear. I would encourage you, if you've got a, a like a mentor in your running world or if you've got a coach in your running world, do this with them. The idea of actually getting some other perspectives. I, I lived in, uh, in Ballarat for a few years, back from like 2007 to 2010. And uh, one thing I absolutely loved about my coach, Rod Griffin, I moved from Adelaide to, to Ballarat to train with him because because my good mate Adam Diddick had told me about him and uh, just something about his style just resonated. And every year at the start of the season, Rod 
would uh, he, he would call me and Ben Toomey, who was my housemate at that time. There's a little throwback for a few of you athletes out there who've been around for a while. And, uh, and, and we'd go around to Rod's individually and, and just sit down and have a chat. Rod would cook us up a meal and he'd go, all right, Tice, this is, this is what you're doing well, mate. I was really happy with your progress here. Um, it, very encouraging as well. So it would give me an appreciation for the fact that my coach believed in what I was doing. And then he'd go, all right, here's what I think for you. What do you think? And then we'd go over it together and we'd sort of like iron sharpens iron a little bit, get rid of maybe the excess or, or the little bit too much and, uh, and just come up with what I felt like was an ultimate plan. Even if it wasn't an ultimate plan, psychologically, I left Rod's house going, oh, we're ready to go. And I know as a coach, he felt the same. So both of us, we I always felt like uh, I rocked up at training with a coach who cared um, and he knew he was rocking up there with an athlete who cared about the work that, that he was putting in. So... Uh, if you've got a person like that in your life, your coach, feel free to uh, yeah, just ask them the question. If you're stuck and uh, and you need a little bit of help, just yell out. I'm more than happy to, to help out. If you shoot me an email, tyson.popplestone at gmail.com, I'm more than happy to help clarify or look over any race plans or any goals that you might have just to be able to help you out. I've got to help out the relaxed running crew. I've got a soft spot for you guys because... Um, man, the, the Melbourne running crew or the Australian running crew, the international running crew, come on, distance runners, we've got to look after a little bit, each other a little bit. For such a competitive group of people, I, I do feel like there's a little bit of love amongst us. So, hey, this is this is me helping out. So take me up on that offer. I'm happy to, I'm happy to look after you if you've got no one else to, to do it. Especially if you're a younger athlete or you're new to the sport, it can be hard to know how to address this conversation. Not everyone might be as sort of into your goals as, as what you are, but I am. So hit me up, all right? I'm here for you. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that was race planning, perhaps my favorite point. The fourth one is is one that you should be doing throughout the season anyway, but I think it's a good time when you pause for a month or you pause for two weeks, and that is just addressing any any little niggles that you might have. So uh, like, like we're unreal at just getting out the door and doing training, a lot of the time we're unreal at ignoring the minor issues in our running in our running life just because we're like, oh, I can't really afford to justify having some time off. So we'll just keep pushing through. Now, I'm saying this. I'm 34 years old. I've been in the sport now for 21 years. And 12 months ago, before this, this bloody lockdown here in Melbourne uh, meant that there was going to be no Melbourne Marathon last year, I was training to run the Melbourne Marathon again. And even me, I'm saying this to you, and I had like a slight Achilles niggle that when I started going out for like my 25k, 30k runs, it would really flare up. And it was it was sort of it was it was manageable. It was definitely manageable. But there's a couple of times there where the next morning I woke up and I was like, oh my god, like this is bloody sore. Um, so when I found out the Melbourne Marathon was cancelled again, I decided, all right, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to spend a few weeks just getting this looked at, get a little bit of massage, get a little bit of acupuncture, find out whether there's anything serious there. Is it just a bit of inflammation? If it is, sometimes just getting off your feet for a little bit of time can help, or at least lessening the load. So um, I say all that to say, all right, this time at the end of a season is a chance just to let that stuff settle down. You know, go and see some specialists if you haven't already. Uh, Go and get your pain addressed because uh, in a, what do you call it? Running's a sport where obviously we're, we're putting a lot of pressure on our joint on a daily basis. So if it's if it's a little bit sore now and you're planning on just going out and running and running and running on it and it aggravates slightly each run, it's only going to get worse. In a lot of cases, that is. So go and find out what the heck's going on. Take this time to get on top of it. And if you need to have a little bit of extra time on top of that 
to make sure it's all okay. Do that. Use the two weeks off as a chance to, if you need four weeks off, just tap into that. Does that make sense? Um, stop ignoring niggles, all right? This sport's about consistency. I know I've become a huge ambassador for him the last couple of months, but I just respect the guy. The reason the reason you're Stewie McSwain's are just incredible athletes now, not only because, is not only because of the fact that he's a freak talent, but ask any of his training partners and ask him. He's just been doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it for year and year and year and year and year. And all of a sudden, he's just a hard man to break. So consistency works. If you don't believe that, go and listen to the episode with Steve Monaghetti. Go and listen to the episode with Lee Troop. Go and listen to the episodes with Liam Adams. Listen to the best of the best in the, the world of running. Talk about how important it is to stay consistent with, uh, with the work that you're doing. Now, the fifth one is, uh, now this, a few of these tie in together quite nicely, and this one, I think it, it stands, uh, yeah, this, is, this, this deserves to be in here, 100%, is a, is a reflection on the season that you've just had. Um, one of the things that, that is so humiliating about doing stand-up comedy, which those of you who have been listening to this for a while know I do, I've been doing it for two years, and one of the most important factors improving this in improving this is listening back to the tape or watching back the tape of yourself performing, whether it was good or bad. And seriously, oh my God, man. Like some nights I'm driving home in the car listening to myself and I'm like, oh, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> you know, like you say things that are just, like I'm a relatively nice guy, but you say things in the heat of the moment that are just, I don't mind inappropriate. I actually find it funny, but I listen back and I'm like, oh no. Like I know how that sounded. And, and then also, like more than that, I go, oh, crap, I can't believe I thought that joke was funny. Like I got to the punchline and there's just no laughter there. So it's a chance for you to reflect and go, all right, this needs some serious work. <laughs> if this is going to stay in my set, this needs to be addressed. Um, the same is true in, in any scene and running is, is absolutely no different. So what is the purpose of a season reflection? There's a few things within a season reflection that you might want to look at. Here's a couple. First of all, which, which races did you run really well in? And if you keep a training diary, go back and have a look at uh, you know a couple of weeks leading up to it. Have a look at your mindset. Have a look at your training. How are you feeling? How was the actual race run? Was it fast? Was it slow? Was it a build-up? Did you go out fast and die? Did you go out slow and come home fast? Get a little bit of an idea about what worked well for you. The flip side of that is, hey, what did what did you absolutely suck at this season? Maybe you went out and had, you know, a choc top, a big M and a bowl of cereal 10 minutes before your 1500 meter race and uh, you got two laps in, had a stitch and started vomiting. I don't know. But just take note of this stuff so that next season it never happens again. I think especially when we're going through a phase where we're um, where we're racing like perhaps week after week after week after week, there's not a heap of time for reflection. Well, there's, there's time, but I think a lot of us don't like to acknowledge it. Sometimes it's hard to be honest with ourselves about the form that we're in when we've got races coming up because we want to convince ourselves mentally that we're good to go, that we're fit, that we're fast, that we're going to dominate. Um, but it's good at the end of the season to go, hey, all right, what needs work? <laughs> what do I need to address? Is my, is my fitness actually good? Like, is my long run far enough? Is my speed work often enough? Is my recovery a part of my schedule? What's my diet like? What's my mindset like? Mindset's a huge thing in the sport of distance running. It's a huge thing in life, isn't it? Um, I would encourage you, listen to, uh, listen to Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, a classic from the early 90s if you struggle with mindset. Um, listen to the, the Buddhist Society of Western Australia 
um, Avant, uh, what's his name? Ajahn Brahm is one of their speakers. And he's, man, he's just got this incredible ability just to be able to break down the complex things. Like a lot of the things that we get so stressed about are, are, are so silly. My cousin, Jamie Davidson, is, a, is an absolute gun. He's a Buddhist himself. And I call him uh, pretty often. He's, he's one bloke I just, I'm open with. And a lot of the, the wisdom that he offers me through through the tradition of Buddhism that he's, he's sort of rooted in is don't get so close to things that it's the be-all and end-all. Like often if we, can, if we can take a step back and see what it is that we're looking at and judging ourselves for, for, for what it really is, it's actually not as important or as serious as we've made it out in our head. And when you can loosen those connections, you can look at it more logically with a greater sense of calm. And when you can reflect on these things with a greater sense of calm, I think there's a, I think that's where we can actually make some change. Because how, how hard is it? Like it, it, it's, I find it hard when I'm challenged and I get emotional. I find it hard to make my point super clear sometimes because I'm just like, oh, I just want to punch this person in the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that just me? I hope not. It's a lonely place out here if it is. Um, but if we can get some uh, better perspective, unattach ourselves or disattach ourselves uh, emotionally, just see how we're going for what it is and, and make some real practical changes. So a season reflection is really good. If you've got a good friend or once again, you coach, have this chat with them. Be open to a little bit of criticism. If you're, if you're arrogant and you're refusing to listen to anyone's advice and you get told that by a couple of people, listen. Like it's a point of improvement. You don't need to be arrogant to be good at this sport. You need to be, you need to be confident in your ability, but you also need to be humble enough to hear what you suck at so you can improve it. Um, and, and that was one that I always found uh, you know, I always found it really helpful. Now, the last one, and I think uh, five and six tie into each other beautifully, is just, all right, what are those areas of improvement? Write them down. What do you need to improve at? It's it's all good and well to say, okay, well, you know, I need to work on my, my long run. I also need to work on my mindset. I also need to work on my speed work. Maybe I need to run with a better group of people. But write it down because I think sometimes we, we have these ideas going through our mind and then when we actually take that first step of physically recording what's in our mind down on paper, it gives us that ability to actually be able to say, okay, these are the areas that need to be improved. And it also, it eliminates that confusion because your mind's got this incredible ability when you're just trying to think quietly to throw 65 different things at you and, and it's really difficult just to take one of those out and go, all right, what was it? So... Don't get caught up in all the noise of your head and just think, yeah, okay, I'll try and improve that next season. Be really specific with what areas you need to improve in your running game to take it to the next level. Um, write down four, five, maximum of sort of six areas that you're going to focus on for the next 12 months. And then have little measuring sticks. Like if it's, okay, um, I want to improve my mindset. Well, what does an improved mindset actually look like to you? Maybe it's uh, being able to handle a more difficult, uh, being able to handle a disappointing race more effectively, uh, not getting so emotional about it and beating yourself up over it for, for the next couple of days. Take a leaf out of Ryan Gregson's book. When he was on the podcast about 12 months ago now, he, he said he gives himself a limit of time to, to be angry. So maybe he's pissed off for an hour or maybe he says, all right, I'm going to be pissed off about this until 10 a.m. tomorrow. And then after that, hey, it's time to get over it. Uh, so so putting some structures in place. But guys, hey, there, there's six ideas of honestly an infinite list of, of areas that you might want to improve, you might want to adjust. 
Um, would really love to hear your ideas. So jump over to Instagram. If you're not following it yet, you don't even have to be following to leave your comments there. Jump over and uh, and write down the areas of improvement, or sorry, the uh, the areas of your post season that you like to focus on, because I'm sure there's going to be a whole heap of ideas there. Um, guys, thanks again to to all of you who have uh, who have reviewed the show. Obviously, there's there's so many podcasts out there, uh, especially in running. Like it's it's crazy to see how many running podcasts exist. So uh, if you like it and you're getting something out of it, appreciate you sharing it if you are. But also really appreciate you guys just leaving a little review over at iTunes. Uh, is it iTunes? Apple Podcasts. Leaving a five-star review. Um, as I always say, if, it's, if you're rating it one star, please don't go and review it. It's just going to make it harder for this podcast to reach new people. I only want your reviews if it's a, if it's a five-star. I bloody, I went to review this podcast myself just to try and give me an extra five-star. And I went down and I was just scrolling through and I accidentally hit two stars. And it submitted it. So now I've got a permanent two-star review on the bloody podcast. And it was me. And I, I'm its biggest fan. I show up here. I think I'm the only one who's participated in every single week. Apart, There's a couple of people who've been here every week. But apart from them, I'm, I'm here week in, week out. So, hey, go and help just balance out that two-star review I gave myself. Anyway, that's, a, that's enough from me. There's a few thoughts. I hope that was helpful. Um, if you need anything, guys, hit me up. Members, great to have you on board. If you're not a part of the Relaxed Running community yet, jump over to relaxedrunning.com. I'm working with athletes in all different running-based sports to uh, to transform the way they run. So, hey, that's enough from me. I'm going to have dinner, and I'll see you all next week. Hey, big love to you and your family, wherever you are. <laughs>